Hello, this is Kristen McDonald, and welcome back to Second Vision. My guest today is Reiner Lum, the founder of Boomerang Coach, an executive coaching firm specializing in leadership and career development, innovation, and transformational change. Reiner's mission is to mobilize and develop leaders to create a more sustainable and positive future for all. And today, he is here to offer wisdom from his new book, Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, no matter where you are, and hopefully you are right here listening to this interview. Good morning, Reiner. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Kristen. I'm fine. It's a pleasure to be to be on your show. Oh, we're just thrilled to have you on the show, and the, the whole topic fascinates me because I've been, uh, it's a conversation for another time, but I've been researching and, and thinking about going into coaching myself. So, um, so having said that, what inspired you to become a coach and a speaker and an author and write this fabulous book? Yeah, I'm, um, I have a, a long career in you know different leadership roles. I, I um, in the broadest sense, I call myself an intrapreneur. I have started uh, software businesses within a large corporation and have been uh, growing them globally. Um, so very very different uh, leadership roles. Uh, most of them global, so managing very complex and diverse environments, large teams, etc. And all the challenges that come with that. And what I enjoyed always most, what I was most passionate about, was about leading people and and also not just leading them, but but helping them to grow and develop and become uh, leaders themselves. So that that uh, that combined with um, the challenges that I see in the world, I I I care quite a bit of about where the world is going. I have children. I have a grandson. And uh, you know, and I care about all all children, but I I care really about where the world is going, where our societies are going, and I'm very concerned about the division we have in the world. I grew up in a divided country with a physical barrier, you know, in West Germany. So I grew up with the Iron Curtain, so-called Iron Curtain. Amazing! Uh, I was reading your story, and it just—I was just going to ask you that next, like that. What was the catalyst? You know, that when you were growing up in Berlin, that that yeah, that you. Yeah, I, I, and so I live in the United States now, and, and I live again in a divided country, but uh, only. <laughs> yes, that, that's uh, true. That, that we—that's <laughs> not divided by a physical wall. It's divided by an uh, intangible wall, by by emotion. Yeah, uh, politics, by, social media, everything. Fear, uh, hatred, uh, these horrible mass shootings, uh, distrust, uh, resentment, and so on divide us. And, and so, so we have these huge challenges like climate change. We have racial divide. We have economic and social divide. And 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 then I could you know go on. And um, I I think we can solve those issues if we would only come together, if we would work together. And uh, so we need a different way. Uh, we did need different kind of leaders, <laughs> leaders that bring us together, that bring us together a very inspiring and common vision for all. Yes. And, uh, so, so because of my passion for leadership, and I did also leadership development within Hewlett Packard, where I, you know, helped to call software businesses. So I was doing that on the side while I was managing also uh, on, uh, was on the management side, but I also was uh, developing leaders and. I, I just got the idea. I said, "What is my next next stage to make a difference in the world?" And I said, I, "I'm going to combine my experience from my own leadership roles 
but also um, I wanted to go into coaching because I enjoyed that, uh, leading as a coach. So I was very often coaching my employees rather than telling them what to do. Um, so it was and, a natural uh, transition for you. Very natural. It was not so, uh, because it was really based on, I think, uh, I, I enjoyed it, so I was passionate about it. Passion, had, yeah, passion. I had also strength in that area, so to relate to people, you know, and be empathetic, uh, helping them grow, and, and so on, in, in a very diverse environment. So that prepared me a little bit. I did also formal trainings, various different uh, leadership and and coaching trainings, uh, uh, and and I, I continue that never ends, right? You always I always have to learn and grow myself uh, in, in coaching other leaders, but that uh, gave me the idea to start a, a coaching, an executive coaching firm, and um, so I left the corporate world ten years ago to to uh, to run my own business, and since then I have been doing this work with a lot of satisfaction. I work in indigenous communities, so, so I, I coach and uh, develop indigenous leaders. I work in corporations, I work in startups, uh, but all the people I work with are uh, somehow purpose aligned. They try to make the world a better place. So I'm not working with leaders that, <laughs> that try to, to create damage to the world and, and, and jeopardize our future. Oh, I like that. <laughs> now, you say that, that just about anybody can, can shift and and you know and cause positive change in their life. Do you, do you believe that? With you know some people, let's say you've lost your house in Fort Myers, you've had the worst mm-hmm. kind of adversity, health problem. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's very easy to say. And I've been through this myself. You know, when people ask me the same question, you know, it, 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 sometimes we look at other people and we don't realize their hardships are just so much worse than ours. You mm-hmm. know, do you really believe anybody can shift from a place and cause positive? change i do i do uh, actually I, I and this a lot is based on experience but also uh, based on research uh based on, on on my own you know hardships that i've gone through my life and 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 and, and where uh, moments where i had a hard time to lead and mm-hmm. change positive, but also where i somehow maybe had the right um, inspiration or i had the right mentors or i had the right uh, leaders, managers around me, uh, people mentors on my side. Mentors are so important, so important. Yes, and, and many of them be like friends, you know, they were both friends yes. and mentors. Yes, that's what happened to me with my vision loss and, and with my uh, my speaking career and everything. But I had incredible mentors. I don't know where I'd be without them. So let's talk about yeah. the seven emotions in your book, uh-huh. starting mm-hmm. with empathy. Why yes. is that so important? Well, it, it creates the foundation. Uh, the, the, the seven essential emotions of the Aspire Leadership Model are built like a pyramid, pyramid from the bottom yeah. up. And I, I, I um, put uh, empathy um, at, as the foundation, as the first layer of the pyramid, because um, empathy is the, the emotion that uh, leads to caring. And what I mean is uh, that there's different... Uh, Types of empathy, but I mean specifically emotional empathy, which means you you feel the feeling, you resonate with the emotions of another person. And uh, I experienced it personally, like when people that I did not know even that you know I travel a lot around the world and work globally, and that people that I, I could learn to resonate with them how they were feeling. I had many different experiences. I write about uh, I think a couple of those in the book itself, but 
Uh, and then I was observing others as well. So, so emotional empathy, when you feel, like, say, the suffering of another person, you start to care, unless you have some, like, some mental issues, like, you know, sociopath or you know, people that... Um, narcissism have, have, or, yeah. Right, narcissism. But I'm talking, like, an, a regular person, the, the majority of the people, the vast majority of people are able, able to learn, to feel emotions, like, uh, uh, of, mm-hmm. of another person. Uh, and that automatically leads to caring. Now, why is caring so important? Like, we, we know we know from research that uh, caring organizations uh, perform much better if if yes. they, they have done comparison of, of of cultures of organizations and like non caring cultures and caring cultures in caring cultures and caring organizations. Those organizations perform significantly better. Than their uh, than the alternative than their competitors, and uh, also if let's say we know that intuitively, right? If we work for a leader or in an organization where the le- or even in a country, right, in a society where the, where we have the we feel or our perception is that the leader is not caring, we don't trust that leader. So if we don't trust the leader, we're not going to follow that leader. We're not going to help that leader uh, achieve his or her goals. That's or, so true. People in the military know that, right? That's where the research comes from in the battlefield and so on. Uh, uh, Soldiers are not going to follow a leader that that doesn't care about them. Absolutely. And I think it's also important, too, some people confuse empathy with sympathy. You know, I remember uh, taking a course with a UCLA professor because I I, I speak to medical students, on um, positive change and um, my my experience with stem cell therapy. And my point being is that, you know, what she was saying in her lecture one day was that sympathy is so different than empathy. You know, it's not feeling sorry for someone. Some people have, have trouble feeling empathy, I think, sometimes because they're afraid they don't want to give someone sympathy. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're, they're very, very different. And you're right, they are mixed up very often. And uh, sometimes, like, very often people cannot express the difference itself because there's, there's, there's the, the person on the receiving end. Some might, in, in a specific moment, they might need empathy or they might need sympathy, but there are two different needs. Two uh, different needs completely. Yeah, but when you have, let's say, a good friend um, and you you want to share something, like you have, you just learned something bad or like you, you had some a loss or whatever, and in this moment when you when you connect with with your best friend or with a relative and so on, uh, what helps you more for the person to help you, it's better to have empathy, right? Because oh, then definitely, the definitely. That is a stepping stone to um, to understand what you need right now, how much you're suffering, and what you possibly could do to alleviate that suffering. It gives you a clue. Yes, yes. If it, and you were also you, saying that people have to feel these emotions themselves first, which is so interesting uh, in your background when I was reading about you, because I that is so true, that you cannot give to another what you don't feel. It's like love. If you don't love yourself, you can't live love, give love to another. So all these seven yes. essentials, you were saying, you have to feel them and practice them yourself first. Yes, yes. It, 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 so, so self, in order to to be able to uh, to feel empathy, uh, emotional empathy for another person, you have to feel self empathy. You need to feel your own emotions. 
You mm-hmm. cannot connect emotions very hard. Uh, almost impossible to connect to the emotion of another person or resonate with, with that other yeah. person. But uh, yeah. the, what I want, yeah, uh, what I wanted to add is really what, what caring itself um, is not enough. No, so so you, you you somebody you know I might care about something that happens to you, but if I don't act on it, it's not going to help you very much. And so no, that's true. Right. So so if you say. Um, so what what is required then is compassion, right? So c- compassion includes empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it builds on empathy, but it also commits you to um, help the other person to to serve the needs of the other person. To okay? take action, whether it's even listening on the phone or helping them, advising them. List list list. Let's so let's say you, you your friend. Uh, you know, mother's dies. I, I just an example I use because it's easy to understand for most people. But your your best friend's mother dies, and and yeah. you just look, and so you care, right? You have empathy. You feel maybe for that friend. Maybe you know the mother yourself, and you you're sad about it. But you definitely friend. You know, resonate with the sadness and the grief of of your friend. But if uh, if if you um, if you have compassion, you're going to maybe call a friend and say, what can I do for you, or you might drive over to the house if the friend is close by, and mm-hmm. you can go, and you might maybe bring a meal, uh, or, or you might, might stay with the friend overnight, uh, maybe yeah. hold, hold that friend in your arms, uh, and listen. Actions uh, speak time. louder than words. Exactly. So that's where this is so, so empathy uh, drives caring, and compassion commits to serving uh, the needs of the other nice. person. Okay. Uh, but that's Again, from a leadership perspective, these are very foundational. What what a leader also needs to have is really a deep understanding of of the stakeholders that the, mm-hmm. the you know is leading or whose life he or she wants to change positively. Uh, but in order to create that deep understanding, uh, the, the person needs to have really interest. So a lot of leaders I have observed over my you know, multiple decades of, of careers is that a lot of leaders don't have a deep understanding of what they're leading. Uh, not about the people and not about... They're the not connected. It's like, and we and we know that from a lot of, read a lot of biographies about political leaders, like global world leaders. So they be at these summits, right? She said, yes, et cetera. yes. And and uh, you hear stories, and I don't want to <laughs> mention a lot of names, not because it, I don't want to make this political. But there's a lot of the leaders; they don't come prepared. Oh so yes, we could go on forever. We could have a whole other show it. on that. <laughs> the world is complex, right? So you you need yes, you need an understanding. Uh, and and this was an eye opener for me uh, during the 2008 financial crisis in Europe. Uh, and um, one of the ex-chancellor of Germany, he, um, he has died, meanwhile, Helmut Schmidt, and he was really very intellectually sharp, understanding issues, and a great leader in, in my eyes in terms of um, solving, you know, crisis and so on, because I had a deep understanding. So he said, that the, he was in his 90s, he was an elder statement already, he said that the sad news is really that of all these world leaders, there's hardly anybody who understands the challenges, the financial world that they created, they helped to create. Now, how can they lead us out of this mess? If they, because they, we went into this because they didn't understand 
the financial That's the system. way I felt watching the news lately. And like I said, that could, we could go on with a whole other show that way. There's some of these people, and you think we have all these people on the planet, and they could be running for, for Congress or president or whatever, whatever the case may be at the time. And you think, my goodness, how did that person get in? Yes. So, as you said, the yes. country is very divided, very split, and it's very scary. Yeah, so, but if, if you have a leader and you're genuinely, let's say, you have empathy, you have, which drives caring, if you have compassion, commits you to serving, makes you a servant leader, so you're in it for the right reason, yes. and you have deep interest in, in the issues that you're leading. Mm-hmm. That you're passionate, that it's, uh, and there's real, the real caring there. It. If you if you nurture that interest and it's a sustained interest to learn about it and you mm-hmm. you surround yourself with the right experts, so you're going you're going to be able to create a solid foundation for then being able to create a vision of a future in which those issues and those needs are perfectly met. Okay. Right. So right. That's the next step, really, from understanding and and and, and that commitment to serve, then to creating a vision. That in, that includes everybody. That you know, if, you, if your country, <laughs> if you're the president of country, you have to include everybody, right? If you you cannot de- delete divisively, uh, sure. otherwise you, you're not achieving anything, right? You're going to this constant battle. So you, you you then you'll be able to to create a vision for the future. But in order to create a vision for future, you need to be optimistic. You need to, as an emotion, you need to feel that you're optimistic. So if you cannot if if a leader is not optimistic, if, if a leader, if we have a lot of leaders that are caught up in resentment, for example, they want to lead... Caught up in... I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Caught up in... Resentment, as an example, which is... Oh, resentment, the, yeah. Resentment, yeah. It's one one that the other emotions of the past, like nostalgia and so on. But uh, resentment is especially dangerous because it, 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 it leads a person, and nobody is... Uh, nobody, nobody is... Um, Safe from it. We see that with Putin, for example. Mm-hmm, okay, when I listen to his speeches, I have repeatedly listened to them. It's full of resentment. So he's leading oh, the country backward. He's not leading it forward. No, he's a sociopath. Yeah, that's sort. He wants to create what he has lost, right? What the, yeah. the country lost. And so that's what I'm saying. So a leader needs to be optimistic in order to lead a country forward to create a yes, vision, yes. better vision, and that can be. So each of these emotions I'm sharing here can be learned and could be cultivated. So, so let's say if if a leader has created a vision that includes everybody and that solves the issues perfectly, where the issues are perfectly solved and the needs of the people are met, then uh, the leader needs to insp- to mobilize people in order to mobilize people. That I tell you, you you create a startup, you're starting action. a company. But you need to get to action, and that mm-hmm. requires inspiration, right? So people, you need to inspire people so that they are mobilized to follow you, to help you create that vision, to join your startup or to join your organization, uh, you know, join your cause, whatever it is uh, that you are leading towards. That you need to inspire people, and and so in order to, to inspire people, you need to be inspired yourself. Oh, definitely, right. definitely. And uh, so that that a lot of leaders that I work with, uh, they um, don't try even to inspire because many believe there's several beliefs. But one of the beliefs is, oh, in order to inspire, I need to be a charismatic leader. 
and oh, I'm not charismatic. Maybe they have been told, you know, <laughs> when they were going. Up. But they just don't have that gift. <laughs> but that false belief makes them not even trying to inspire. But there's many ways we can inspire people without being charismatic. Okay. Yes, and not everyone has that gift of the 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 you know the people skills. You know, they're not as great with people as as others. You know, their gifts are behind the screen, or they're a better writer. Yeah. You know, but the communication skills as a leader are so vital. Yes, yes. But I want to come back to that, you know, optimism and then inspiration on top of yes. it. So if if a leader uh, needs to make sure that he creates, he or she creates an inspiring vision, that the vision that is pursued that aligns with people's highest aspiration. Okay, so that's the way you inspire people. So if you connect to people's highest aspirations. And a lot of the, the visions of organizations are meaningless for people. They're not connecting to what they want to achieve in life, and so they just work in a job, and it's, it's, it's uninspired and not engaged. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the next uh, the next one. And then, the, let's, you know, uh, when people are mobilized, then it's a question of, uh, you know, how do I bring them all together to create effective actions, to coordinate effective actions, uh, together, and that's where trust comes in. Trust fuels collaboration among people, and so leader needs to be able to uh, to trust his or her people. It needs to f- facilitate trust between people, but also make sure he or she is trusted by the now, people. Now, uh, well, you you said also when I was reading your background that it's very difficult for many people to establish that trust. Is that because they're not following these steps, or? Because of the, our division in the world today, or it's just a multitude of reasons, like we're talking about. Yeah, I, I there's a multitude of reasons. Because I would say trust is, um, I don't know, at least one of the most complex uh, complex emotions. It's, I would almost say the most complex emotion and least understood emotion. Uh, because trust, like people just use trust and they mix everything in, right? Kind of. And and so what do I not trust? What is the issue with trust? So there's dimensions of trust that I just said, you know, it's kind of what kind of trust do I want to create? So like, for example, we talked about care earlier, right? Do I trust that the leader cares? Do mm-hmm. I trust that colleague cares about me and us, the work we're creating together? That's one That's one uh, dimension of trust. Do I trust that, uh, that you have the competence? If you say, you know, to... The competence to do what you committed to do, to do, right? So are you are you not so? If, if, if we we have that with elected leaders, right? Right now we have the election going on in the United States. Oh no, yes, yes. There's a trust issue. The question is: Is the leader does the leader have the, this this person that wants to be elected uh, has the competencies, the experiences, and so on? So that's another dimension of trust. Reliability. Is another dimension. Does the does the leader um, uh, uh, mean what he or she says? Okay. So do you have all these dimensions of trust? So if you don't understand what kind of trust you have an issue with, then how can you develop trust in that in that area if you don't understand it? Right? Of course, can, makes perfect can sense. Be, can be taught and it can be learned. And uh, I have learned in uh, because I have 
led large global teams where like you reassemble new teams all the time and people because they are so far from each other and part of different cultures ethnicities languages and so on there was always a trust issue always and typically the the distrust would be communicated to me between two people right but mm-hmm. when I, when i understood this i would then to take deliberate make a deliberate effort to uh, facilitate trust between people. So, for example, I would always fight for a budget that I could bring the people like on a quarterly basis together somewhere in the world on my team. And we would do, you know, planning together, but I would also include a lot of exercises or opportunities for pe- people to get to know each other as human beings. And oh, that's terrific. That, and certainly, people, when they got to know each other as a human being, trust went up. And I I didn't have to deal with any uh, complaints anymore, you know, uh, about each other and so on. Once that was established, now this is a because teams are forming and reforming and changing all the time. So it's something you can never stop. Trust must constantly be cultivated uh, and developed, and also for each leader individually to make sure, you know, that. That you learn. I mean, leader very often doesn't trust the people he or she is leading, right? And 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 then, how can trust come back from the people if the, the leader doesn't show trust towards people? So of it's, course, it's, it's, it's complicated, but this consciousness and and know how it can be developed. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I was also thinking too, as you're talking about all the teams that you build and the and the the um, corporations that you work with all over the globe. Our lives have changed. I mean, when I worked in television for, you know, 25, 30 years, I I was in the office every day and in hotel mm-hmm. management. And people are on Zoom calls now. They don't even mm-hmm. leave their home sometimes. Or they travel yeah. to another city and they check in on their laptop and they, they're working, of course, but it's very different. I can imagine the communication. Even I know from speaking, I've been doing speeches on Zoom now for the last couple of years. And it's so different than that in-person connection at a conference. It's so different, very, and it very must be different. very hard to build that trust. A friend of mine is an attorney and works for a um, large entertainment company, and we just spent a few days in Santa Barbara together, and she said to me, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm on Zoom every day. It's not the same as being in the office. No, no and that, that human connection, right, as I said before, like one of the things that I, as a best practice that I found, and I, I think it comes a little bit from my background. I come from small business environment, small village in Germany, and so on, where everybody knows everybody. So trust is very high, uh, and uh, it, because people know each other. The community, sure, small yeah, community. So, yeah, because you have a history own, there. There's but then you're absolutely. in a large corporation. How do you simulate that, right? So I always try to simulate that and, and bring people together. Uh, now with remote situations, I, I uh, already uh, led and, and um, you know long before the pandemic, and I was talking about 20 or 30 years ago, I was leading basically virtual teams around the world, and so I had to develop um, practices that allowed me to check in regularly with the people, almost like by manage, like managing by walking around or wandering around. It's one of the management practices in order to stay connected with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, something that uh, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard had developed in, 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 in Hewlett Packard. And I, I learned there uh, very early when I started there and I practiced that. I took that from the 
office floor of a manufacturing. So I took that to the virtual world and said, I'm going to, with my team, I'm regularly going to check in informally, just a few minutes, and that way staying connected to the people. It, it builds trust, it, it, it increases communication, it increases understanding what the issues people are struggling with, so it helps with empathy, uh, and, and then uh, it, it, it helps with being able to coach and support uh, the people in, in their uh, in their efforts and so on. So it has a lot of benefits, but it can be done virtually uh, as well as it, it's done in the in local office. But obviously, local is always better. Uh, oh, of course, see. local is better. You know, and and that trust is so interesting with technology. This is a little bit off the track, but you would you would find it interesting as a coach. And I just finished this book called You're Not Listening. I forgot the author's name, but it's on Audible. It's an excellent book for just anyone to listen to. And it's about our communication skills and the way we communicate differently now. And, and they were saying that even if a cell phone is on a table, you know, a, a dining table or coffee table while you're talking or it's very close to the person, that person is much less apt to trust, you know, and mm-hmm. open up. And I've noticed that just socially, too, when I'm out and uh, and someone has their phone very near to them or they're always checking it and it's it's just it's really something it breaks down our communication but i thought that was so interesting they did all these studies and they said that people are much less to you know reveal anything intimate or create a closeness even if the cell phone is that close to the other person if they know they're on it you know it's very interesting yeah 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 i mean there's probably a lot going on in the background uh, as i can imagine in terms of saying is is this person even listening so i don't trust that you're really listening exactly Uh, Or or even if they're listening, but they have to check a fact and they have to, you know, everyone is so tied to this technology now. It's so sad. You know, our kids, the way they're growing up, everything, you know, it's changed our communication and Zoom. So we have to work around that. And like you're saying, you're getting back to the basics, in-person connection, stopping in on someone, making the rounds, you know, being, having that close connection, you know. Yes, yes. It creates trust. Yes, and this is, uh, I mean, it, it's not, for me, it's, it's relatively um, not so hard to do, but it's, it's uh, I, I try to, with uh, throughout my, my career, I tried, how can I coach others to benefit from it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So benefit that you can, so there's, there's an element in leadership where I coach a lot of leaders that ha- that run into roadblocks in terms of not being able to positively influence the people they are leading, mm-hmm. not to be motivated, engaged, mobilized, and so on. So it happens quite a lot. But when when but what I observed when I am able to keep to coach people around these basic leadership compet emotional based leadership competencies that we are talking about right now, that they build a confidence or influencing us because it inherently creates positive influence because it creates this connection between people so that it's much easier to influence people positively. Right, of course. That makes sense. Emotions drive behavior. Yes. Leading is influencing people's behavior towards a joint vision, a common vision. And so so in order to end emotion is the the most powerful driver of of our behaviors. And so by shifting to the right emotion and helping the other person to shift into an emotional state like to trust, for example, allows them uh, to uh, to lead and influence uh, positively. 
And that's where it starts. That's the whole core, like you're saying in your book, the shifting. You know, and I find even sometimes when I'm stuck in, you know, emotional quicksand. You know, we all get there sometimes. You know, you've, uh, you've, let's say you're getting over something, whether it's a loss or uh, you're just sometimes you go through phases where you're a little bit, you're so much more creative than other times. And I have to shift. I have to do. Sometimes I have to do something as, as small as. Uh, Go back to one of my passions, salsa dancing or uh, swimming I love. And all of a sudden, I start in a few days to shift. It's the funniest thing. Or I start writing in a journal. I do something that I haven't done in a long time uh, or, you know, travel someplace and my energy is restored. And you shift. We have to constantly shift that gear. Yeah, and this is one. These are wonderful examples, uh, Kristin. There is uh, the the seventh, the last of the the seven... um, uh, emotional um, emotions for leading positive change. This basic the tip of the, of the pyramid is positivity, which is a palette of, of positive emotions. It's not a single emotion, but uh, it, that's really uh, what drives um, resiliency. So when setbacks come up, when adversities in life come up, when we are when we're hitting a wall. Oh, we all uh, have them to to know uh, how to reinvent yourself. When plans have to change, right? Like mm-hmm. in a pandemic, many business yes. owners. Families, uh, you know, teachers, like medical uh, uh, profession, and so on and so on. Many people that have been affected in, in a very adverse and, and negative way, their life has been disrupted. Is uh, when you spin, which is easy done, into a negative spiral, a spiral of negativity. Uh, you cannot be resilient. You cannot. It's much harder to overcome uh, these. Oh yes, if you're in a fog, you can't see anything. And, and the same is true, let's say, when we lose, uh, this is like a loss, right? We lo- we, we have lost our Great. way of life. Uh, you're craving, and, and there could also be, like, you, you're losing, the, your old plans are suddenly, you need to put them aside. Yes, and, and yes. Maybe even give them up completely and create new plans. But it's always a loss, and some have, there's a lot of people have lost their loved ones. They have lost loved ones during the pandemic, and... And uh, you you have two options. One is you, you allow yourself to spiral into negativity, which uh, doesn't help in any way. It's like it, it makes you miserable. It, it does not allow you to help other people if you care and if you're compassionate. Uh, it does not allow you to lead, really. But uh, you have also the alternative that you described. I love your examples where you tap into sources of positivity in order to cultivate, to nurture positive emotions. And yes, and it brings you back to yourself, the things that make you happy. It creates and, them and surrounding yourself with happy people. It's so important. Yeah. yeah, and it's not about toxic positivity, which some people say, oh, positivity is like, I don't mean it. There's, there's toxic positivity too. But No, no, we're about, talking about being real here. This is about real, to create the real feeling of, let's say, uh, I lost uh, two close people during, during the pandemic through tragic circumstances, but I... So I, I very consciously went through the grieving process with a grieving counselor. This is very mm-hmm. skillful. But at the same yeah. time, I, I was writing on, 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 on Aspire. I also uh, had the opportunity because it was so fresh, the writing. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to practice what I'm writing about right here in this moment. And I would think about consciously every day about sources of positivity that I can tap into that keeps me balanced. I can grieve a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can constantly grieve. I can be sad at moments, but I'm, I'm not going to 
to, to spiral down into that craving and sadness that I cannot function anymore. I'm going to balance it with with positivity, with feeling positive emotions like joy, gratitude, uh, awe, like when I yes, say... Yes, the in pleasures of life. I look at the stars at night or I look at the sunset or, you know, things like this. These are all emotions... Uh, that uh, that help you to be uh, that helps resilient and and research uh, in emotional psychology has actually proven that that both physically but as well as mentally uh, that the the ability to bounce back from setbacks is significantly improved when you cultivate um, these these positive feelings. It's really wonderful, but it's great to look at it step by step this way, you know. And and also, they also say that because I I talk about swimming as one of my passions. Even if you're near water, let's say you don't know how to swim or it's too cold, or but being even even a, a you know a hot bath, a shower, walking by the ocean, uh, swimming in a pool, all being anywhere near water is supposed to really elevate your mood. And I find it it's true. That I guess I've always yeah. gravitated toward it for that reason. Also, I love to exercise, you know. Yeah, yeah. So did you? So you know your sources of positivity, and you can, uh, if you, you can actually plan. I. It's something fascinating when you just shared this, you know, like knowing them. And as I was going through this change in my life, and 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 uh, I. So I I. No, so. Like I was used to work like many hours, right? Like ten hours, maybe a productive different project, clients writing in a book and things, speaking and you know doing podcasts and things like that. But then I said I'm going to slow down. The first two hours every day, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on myself and nurture these, um, tap into these sources of positivity, like you described being near water. In this case here, we don't have water in Atlanta, so well we have right, right. But I go to the. We have a forest next next door, so I walk every morning and watch. Oh, the that's birds. beautiful! The walks with a friend or by yourself, and the, I mean yes. that that was another thing on my list for years. I walked ten mile walk every week with a friend in Santa Monica by the ocean, you know. And so walking yeah. in the forest, I imagine, is just rejuvenating, beautiful nature. Getting back yeah. to nature, you know, away from yes. the computers, away from the phones, you know. Yeah, and the, the 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 learning was I didn't expect it. I, I what what happened? I worked fewer hours, but I was more productive. Oh, the, the, I believe it. I believe it. I have a nephew in London. He took the four day week, and he's never been happier. And he's actually making more money than he was before. And he yeah. does not want to lead that kind of stressful life where he's just you know working till ten o'clock every single night. He's happier. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, happier. Reiner, we could go on forever. It's fascinating, but unfortunately we have to close. Um, But I'd love you to tell the listeners one more time the name of your book and also tell them you have another book called, is it Boomerang Coaching? Yeah, let me explain. So um, Of course. The name of the book we're talking here about, about the seven essential emotions. It's Aspire. And it it has subtitled Seven Essential Emotions of Leading Positive Change No Matter Where You Are. I love it. it's available on Amazon in any country where Amazon is uh, is uh, shipping, or, or uh, you can order it. Uh, but also, you can also go to my website, uh, Reinerlom. Uh, dot com, uh, and there you can there's, uh, you can you know connect with me if you if you have questions or if you want to leave a comment, or uh, also get access to the book there. The the uh, the other book that uh, you mentioned was is the boomerang approach uh, that um, I 
wrote before, Aspire, and that was is focused on helping people to um, to find a career with passion that aligns with their passion and purpose. Oh, and I so love that. We could do a whole other show on that at some point. Beautiful. Yeah, then, then yeah, I developed a whole workshop series many, many years ago, and that's how the book uh, developed. Actually, helping people to uh, to connect to what they really what they really care about. The real source. But they're really good at finding their true vocation, if you want. (laughs) Fantastic. And just quickly, uh, the Aspire, is that also an e-book, you know, because we do have listeners who are visually impaired? Yeah, so so here it's uh, it's, it's available right now uh, as a printed uh, paperback. It's uh, it's available as an e-book, and it's coming out um, as we speak, actually, as, as an audio Version. Yay! But, wonderful. Are you going to have that on Audible? It, yes, it will be Audible. Will be Amazon. Will be uh, you know different different media, and it will be uh, available um, in in about uh, two and a half weeks, um, latest by like November fifteenth. Actually, is the launch of the of the audio. Fantastic! And for those who are visually impaired, the spelling of your last name is L O M B, right? Reiner, R E I N E R. L-O-M-B. So for yeah. those of you listening, and Reiner, I cannot thank you enough. This is a fabulous conversation and um, just an area that I'm so interested in, positivity, change, coaching. So for those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have, and I hope you have a blessed day. And Reiner, the same to you. Thanks so much for joining us on Second Vision. I'm Krista McDonald. Thanks for listening.